Hi everyone, welcome to my dad's podcast. What is up, you beautiful human? How the heck are you doing today? We are back with episode 35. I hope you're doing well. Uh, 35 episodes in, it's been seven months now uh, since I started this, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about putting out one episode every single week, at least one. There's a couple weeks where I did more than one. It is Thursday. My daughter's at school, so it is time to record another one. And today I have a story from a couple of years ago. Uh, (laughs) The latest installment of uh, Tales of the Dating Life with Chris. Um, I did a story earlier about an online date I went on that went (laughs) really awry. This one is not that bad of a story. It's kind of a funny story. Um, But... there was a lesson in there, and I, I don't know why I was thinking about this, because um, there's something that's like really relevant in in what I talked about and what I learned uh, from this person who I went on a date with. So I will kick right into that story. It was uh, this was not quite two years ago, so it was like right in the middle of sort of the second wave of COVID. Uh, like closings. So there wasn't a lot to do. And so I I matched with this girl on one of the apps and, you know, her profile said, you know, whatever her day job, whatever whatever her normal job was, and then slash life coach. And so I swiped on her because I felt like uh, she would, you know, her being a life coach, I felt like she would, you know, be able to understand a little bit better what I do because sometimes it's like people don't necessarily get it. Um, and it's hard to have people understand that I'm that I'm dating, and so um, we we uh, we got to talking, and she was funny, and she was cool, and she was attractive, and um, so we made plans, and it was like during that time when you couldn't really do a whole lot, and I was just kind of bored, so I thought like let's do something original. And so I'd never been to one of those escape rooms. I don't know if you've ever been to that, one of those. Um, and I just, like, I, I heard they were fun. And I thought, based on what I, what I read about them and what I've been told about them, I thought that it would kind of be a good way to, like, get to know each other. Um, it's kind of like you're working towards, you know, trying to solve something. And it would just be kind of like, we could have fun with it, right? Like, and could be a cool way to get to know each other. Um, so I, uh, you know, we reserved the, <laughs> reserved the escape room and, you know, we go there. And so it's like this made up scenario. It's like, I think you have an hour to solve this, basically a bunch of riddles and puzzles and whatnot. Or this one was like, or a bomb blows up in downtown Seattle and the whole state is fried. That was the sort of made up scenario. So we had to, you know, solve all these things. And if you don't know, I am really not a very serious person on most things. And I joke around and I goof around probably too much in some scenarios. She was not having it, man. She was dead serious. She wanted to solve this shit. And... Like, you only get, like, three clues. You can ask for clues from, like, the the person who runs the place or who's operating it. And, you know, she didn't. 
if you go more than four or more than three clues, you technically don't pass. And under no circumstances did she want to ask for too many clues. Like we had to solve this. She was dead serious and she was not having my joking around <laughs> attitude. So basically the whole thing kind of consisted of her solving all these riddles and like rushing around and me just kind of cracking jokes and if she couldn't solve something, she would ask me a question. And if it was something that I knew or I could figure out, I would I would add to that. But I was not really pressed to walk out of there and say I solved the panic room. Like that was not really why I why I booked the place. I thought we could kind of, you know, anyways. So we actually do, you know, or she mostly solves it to be honest except for the very last thing she needed like a, you, you had to do something where you had to have a very steady hand to like thread this piece of metal into this tiny little place and she couldn't she couldn't do it um and so that it kind of irritated her i think that i got to do the last thing where the whole thing turned off and it's like you won um so that was, was kind of awkward because she was very uh like <laughs> real bossy and like I said, just, you know, dead set on solving this shit. And I just was not taking it seriously. So cool. Like whatever. Um, I wasn't holding it against her or anything. And so it was only an hour. And so we thought we would go and do something. And um, so we went to Green Lake to, to walk around and, you know, maybe grab something to eat or drink. We had to still had to be outside at that point. And we did. And so we're walking around and it turns out that basically she's in like her first six months of being a life coach. Now, I don't know. I don't, there's a lot I don't know. So I'll, I'll say what I do know. Um, she was six months of, of being a life coach. And I think she had like, she was working with her first client basically. And, you know, she seemed like a, a nice person. It just wasn't, you know, she had some real strong opinions about, uh, both cats and, um, dads basically. Uh, she had some real strong opinions and kind of like really put her foot in her mouth at one point and it was real awkward <laughs> so it was the it was the real um strong opinions like I, I don't really care for cats and she told me that in the reason I didn't really like cats much was because um and this was a theory of hers that people who don't like cats are not capable of unconditional love because you're not capable of loving something or someone without getting anything in return. And it's like, I mean, I get what you're saying. Cause she's like, dog people need the immediate gratification of like a dog. Cause a dog always shows love and a cat never shows love. And I'm like, I see what you're saying, but that is some real like amateur psychology. And you kind of like, you added one and one and got 47. Um, and so that was, that was, and she was dead serious too, um, which is fine. Hey, to each their own opinion. I don't agree with that. I just think cats are kind of gross, um, honestly. 
And um, I just don't like them. Like, it's not, not a big deal. Like, I just don't care for cats. Um, anyways, and then she, she had something really judgmental opinion about um, dads. And I just couldn't, like, I, I wasn't going to even really discuss that. So it wasn't a love connection. But when we were walking, we were walking around Green Lake. She was asking me, she was like, you know, um, you know, do you want to talk? Can I, can I talk shop? Can I, can I ask you some stuff about my clients? Like you seem like you've been coaching people for a, lo a long time and kind of seem like you know what you're doing and do you mind? And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And she was telling me about her, her client and how she just, you know, she, she knew what was wrong with her. They talked about it and she, the client just never would do what they said in the session. And what she described to me was that, you know, she had essentially like diagnosed her, her client with what's called limiting beliefs. Um, and if you don't know what that is, basically it's just like some deeply held beliefs that, you know, there's something wrong with you or um, you're not worthy or um, you know, stuff like that. Like there are beliefs about yourself that hold you back from doing or getting what you want. That's really like the simplest way I could put it. That's a very, um, there's way better explanations, but that's basically what it is. So like, an example of a limiting belief would be, you know, like, I'll never find love, or I'm not worthy of money, or, you know, I'm always a day late and a dollar short, like, things that are deeply, and sub usually in our subconscious, that ultimately can end up sabotaging us. I don't believe in sabotage, but that's a term everybody knows. So she had essentially like, diagnosed her client with these limiting beliefs um, in the first week, first session, and they had been working on them ever since. And she was like, I don't understand why she won't do what she says so she can, you know, get whatever the goal was that she want. And I can't remember. And I don't even know if she told me what this woman wanted. And like, it's at this point where you know, I, I really didn't want to like tell her because I, like I, I could see sort of the problem immediately. And it was it was awkward and like I don't I don't I don't feel the need to like prove how smart I am or how much I know about coaching people or whatever to anybody. But like it made me think of one of the greatest problems in our society. And it's that we have a problem or we have something in our life that we need to get past and we go to somebody who's a professional and I use that term loosely and they diagnose us with something wrong. Like imagine the psychology behind you you know, you're 50 years old and you, you can't find love. And so, you know, you want to work on yourself, you want to grow, you want to heal as a person and you go to somebody and the first fucking thing they do 
is tell you, well, here's what's wrong with you. Like you have these limiting beliefs and you're, you're like, oh shit. Like I, I have limit. Oh my gosh. Like how am I ever going to get over that? And the person is telling you like, you know, well, we got to get over that by like changing your behavior and like, you know, do these things. And it's like, what? Like you're, you're, you're automatically telling someone that something is wrong with them first off. And it's like that when you, oftentimes when you go to the doctor or when you go to a therapist, they want to diagnose you with, you have anxiety, you have depression, you have PTSD and all, some of those, some of those things have merits. But does it really serve us to look at things through that angle? It reminded me of four years ago when I, was, when I had PTSD from almost dying. I had PTSD from almost dying. I had just gotten divorced, had just sold a house, bought a house, and was trying to figure out how to be a, a single parent, navigate, you know, co-parenting, all that shit. And my testosterone was in the tank. Like, I mean, 80-year-old man low. My energy was affected. Everything was affected. Everything. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I went to the, uh, um, the endocrinologist, like this specialist. The first fucking thing that he wanted to do was to put me on antidepressants. Because he's like, you're stressed out. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> like, it's situational. Like, look at what's going on in my life. I don't, I'm not take like, and nothing against antidepressants because those can help people if they need it. But like, I had a situational thing in my life and he wanted to tell me that like, oh, you're anxious. Oh, you're depressed. I'm like, dude, I have PTSD and I just got divorced. Yeah, I'm sad and I'm anxious. What the f Like, and, and it's like, it's the same when my dad died. Like, the first thing they wanted to do was to put me on, like, oh, you, something's wrong. Like, you're having these deep feelings. Like, it's like, I was grieving. How about just help me process the grief and normalize it? How about saying, like, your dad just died. Like, you should feel sad. It's okay to feel sad. And so this, this woman client that she had had this problem. And instead of saying to her and working on like, hey, it's okay to feel that way. Everybody feels that way in one, you know, in one form or another. First thing she did was make her wrong. Or not make her wrong, but make her broken like diagnose with a problem. And so from there forward, everything they did was filtered through that lens. That lady, you know, probably couldn't change her behavior because she felt like I have this, I have these limiting beliefs. How am I ever going to get over them? And that's so common in our society. And that's really the, the lesson that I was thinking about the other day when I was thinking about this is, 
the whole world wants to tell you that there is something wrong with you and you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to buy this and you need to get this and you need to you know, not do that. And here's all the reasons why you're broken. And it's just not true. Like the greatest healing and the greatest transformation of my life, and I've observed it in my clients too, is when you come to know that there is fucking nothing wrong with you. Nothing. You're feeling sad. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling like you have shame. Um, You know, you've made some mistakes. Like you're not thrilled with the way your life is. Um, You know, what whatever it is that's all normal it's the most normal thing in the world to feel like there's something wrong with us but the truth is is that life is difficult sometimes that's the dumbest thing i ever said life is difficult (laughs) it is difficult sometimes it does get difficult but life it's not it's not a matter of if it's going to be difficult. It's when it's going to be difficult. I've probably said dumber things than that. Just FYI. And shit happens along the way that we either don't have the support, don't have the tools, or don't have the, the ability to deal with it. And it creates these scars and these wounds and, and everything, these maladaptive coping mechanisms and everything else after that is filtered through that. And then we, we do things that we think are, make, are, are, are evidence that we're fucked up. Like, I've, I've lived this life before. I've felt like a broken toy so many times in my life that needs fixing. And when you view life through the lens of, I'm a broken toy, I need someone or something to fix me, What you're doing is you're judging yourself. You're, 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 getting, you're getting judgment from the world, but then the society wants to tell us something's wrong with us, and then what do you think our internal dialogue? We become judgmental of our own thoughts, of our own feelings. Guess what? We all think crazy, absurd, like ridiculous, and sometimes dark and scary thoughts. I will tell this story because I've never told it like publicly before. When Charlie was born, I was so stressed out in that first week. I was on a walk in the morning and I remember thinking I could just run away to Mexico. And it was just like a fleeting thought that popped into my head. And then of course, you know, my, my brain wanted to kick in and like judge me and be like, you are the worst person ever. Like you just had this beautiful baby girl how could you do it? Blah, blah. But I just observed it. Like I, I know not to judge my thoughts. I know not to judge my feelings. I was underslept, stressed the fuck out and terrified. It's not like I would ever go through with that. It's just that that was a thought that popped into my head. Not a big deal. And I've learned not to judge myself for those things and it's just an illustration of like you can't control what pops into your head you can't control how you feel and so if you're 
if you're having like repetitive ruminating thoughts or if you're have like you're in a emotional state that you don't like you're not fucking broken there's nothing wrong with you and the most healing thing that you can do for yourself is to remind yourself that and the most healing thing that anybody else can do for you is to remind you of that i remind that to my clients every single day however you're feeling whatever you're thinking perfectly valid perfectly justified do not shame yourself do not guilt yourself because we are both the haver of thoughts and feelings and we are both the observer of thoughts and feelings. And if the observer part of us is judging the fuck out of us, then internally it's going to be chaos. I've seen clients turn anxiety around a ton simply by getting the tools to manage the observer. The ability to observe with kindness and compassion and warmth, our own self and our own human experience is priceless, priceless, and it's healing. And then when you come at it from that place, now change becomes a whole lot easier, a whole lot more enjoyable, and a whole lot more possible. But when you struggle and you make yourself wrong and you judge the shit out of yourself for whatever it is that you're experiencing, it's going to be an uphill battle. It is going to be a struggle. It is going to always be painful. And I, I know because I've tried to do that. I've tried to shame guilt and make myself wrong into changing. And it doesn't fucking work. It just doesn't. It can work in the short term but it doesn't work and it only wounds us deeper when we try to guilt shame blame and make ourselves wrong into changing there's such a power in just accepting that like I feel like this today or this is, this is what's going on. And it's a constant reminder. I have to remind myself all the time. I have to remind my clients all the time until you get into the practice of doing it yourself, reminding, reminding yourself. Limiting beliefs. This is the basis of this whole story. Totally normal. Like we all have limiting beliefs. Negative emotions. We all have emotions. They're not even negative. They're just ones we don't like. We all have those every single day. It's totally normal. Intrusive thoughts. We all have them. You're never going to get away from those intrusive thoughts. It's just that if you work at it, you can become the observer of those thoughts and not attach meaning to them. And that's one thing that I've done very well over the years. And... But it's so easy, like, if those pop in to be like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. This is evidence that I'm broken because we're getting that message everywhere. We're getting the message everywhere that there is something fucking wrong with us. And it's so not true. There's something beautifully right about you. And there's something, there's, there's emotional things that we need to heal from. 
that's it. And if we actually heal that shit, then the awesomeness of who every single person was born with starts to come out. But only if we can stop shaming ourselves, guilting ourselves, making ourselves wrong for whatever our own human experience is. And that's what this um, story reminded me of. And it's not, I don't mean to like talk shit about somebody and that's not what I'm doing. It's the, you know, she's on her own journey and trying to figure things out. But she also didn't want my feedback. (laughs) When I told her, I think maybe, um, you know, get some wins under, under this client's belt first before you go in with the diagnosis and she just thought that was wrong and I said you know I I didn't feel the need to try and justify myself because I have a long long track record of client success and happy clients who achieve all kinds of goals that they want and she was just starting out but she's you know cool so anyways it's not that's not the point of this story the point of this story is that the sooner that we can realize that these messages of something being wrong with us and you know us being broken are complete bullshit that are that are meant to sort of you know make us buy things um you know keep us anxious um steer us away from the true inner wisdom and the inner amazingness of of who we are the sooner we can begin to heal man the sooner we can fucking begin to heal. And I've experienced it and I've witnessed it and it is a beautiful thing when you can do that. So if you go to any air quote professional, whether it's a life coach, a doctor, a therapist, a shaman, a motherfucking bartender, and they tell you that there's something wrong with you and here's it. It's bullshit. Don't believe it. And I mean, I've never been more dead serious about anything in my life. There's nothing wrong with you. You're simply having a human experience. And you have some scars that might need to be healed. You have some situations in your life that might need to be changed. That doesn't mean that you're broken. And you, and like, like myself, you've probably made some mistakes. That's part of being fucking human. There's nothing wrong with you. And anyone that is trying to shove that message down your throat can just disregard. Those are the same people that want to tell you that carbs make you fat. Fuck that. Carbs are delicious. I eat them all the time. And nothing is wrong with you. If there's one message that I could give everyone, it's that You're not broken. And the way that you start to feel like that, because everyone says, like, oh, like you're perfect the way you are. We're like, okay, well, like, how do I get there? Well, how you get there is you pay attention to that observer of your own human experience, your thoughts, your emotions, your your behaviors. 
you pay attention to that person and you make that part of you loving, nurturing, caring, compassionate. You make that the nurturing parent, like the parent that we wish we all would have had. The parent that we try to be if you are a parent. And when you have compassionate encouragement of this observer part of you, you start to feel better and you start to feel justified and vindicated for your own experience and you stop apologizing for things about yourself that you know maybe you'd like to change but compassion is the only way to actually truly do that and to stop feeling like you're broken compassionately being a parent to yourself or a guide or a gentle voice inside of your head that's reminding you, hey, you're entitled to have your own experience. Nobody else gets to tell you what's what. Nobody else gets to deny your feelings. Nobody else gets to tell you you're wrong or you're broken. And when you learn how to do that, Again, I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with my clients. It changes your fucking life. That's all I got for you today. I went a little longer than usual. I hope that you found this useful. I will talk to you guys on the next one. Have a wonderful day.